Framing Your Focus by Faith. And I invite you to turn with me in your copy of the Word of God to Exodus uh, chapter uh, 14. But the key scripture, as was already read, it's taken out of the book of Hebrews chapter, chapter 11, verse 29. And we're going to continue to finish, uh, make our way through uh, uh, Hebrews chapter 11 until we have uh, completed our study of framing your focus by faith. Uh, I want to read uh, a portion of scripture starting in verse 10, uh, reading, in, reading up to verse 12. And when Pharaoh drew near, the children of Israel lifted up their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians marched after them. So they were very afraid, and the children of Israel cried out to the Lord. Then they said to Moses, because there were not enough graves in Egypt, have you taken us away to die in the wilderness? Why have you dealt with us this way? To bring us up out of Egypt. Is this not the word that we told you in Egypt, saying, let us alone that we may serve the Egyptians, for it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians that we should not die in the wilderness. Let's pray. Father, we bless your holy name. We're so grateful that when we invite you in, you have promised that you would sup with us, you would commune with us, that you would fellowship. And God, it's our heart's desire that you would feel welcomed and not only welcomed, that you would be pleased to have an encounter with us. God, you promised that if we draw near unto you, you would draw nigh unto us. And God, we are reaching out to you that you might wrap your arms of protection and love around us as we come to you with our petitions today. God, we're lifting up those who have been diagnosed with COVID. We're also praying for our country, oh God, that you might continue to direct the hearts of the king as rivers of water, that the leadership will be directed wherever you would have them to go. And now, God, we ask that you would take this time to minister a sacred word to your people. For we ask this in the holy name, in the mighty name that is above every name. At the name of, the, of Jesus, every knee shall bow and every tongue will confess that he is Lord. We thank you and we praise you in that matchless name. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. We are so grateful again. For the presence of the Lord. The presence of the Lord is here. Now, <clears throat> during the recent 2020 presidential election, all eyes turned to the battleground states. Of the four states that could determine the outcome of the election for Donald Trump or Joe Biden, as we all had our minds fixed on uh, the various news outlets were Arizona, Nevada, Pennsylvania, and of all places, Georgia. The state of Georgia was most surprising because in 28 years, a Democrat had not been, uh, had not won that state. Now, when the votes were finally counted in Georgia, many Americans, including 
Donald Trump, were shocked by the outcome. Joe Biden won the state of Georgia by a narrow margin of 12,670 votes. Shortly after the announcement, the Republican Secretary of State agreed to do a hand count of more than 5 million votes. As the ballots were being recounted, the Secretary of State and his wife received death threats. He was told to discount a portion of the ballots for Joe Biden. They were told to get the count right this time or else resign. Instead of giving in to the threats that were intended to intimidate him, he refused to submit to fear. And I was impressed with his words. These are the exact words that the Secretary of the State of Georgia said. He said, I'm going to walk the fine line with integrity, the fine straight line with integrity. He said, I refuse to give in to fear because I believe truth matters. Now, hopefully none of us will receive debt threats because of who we voted for. But all Christians, as we are facing the COVID-19 pandemic and job losses and shortages of food and uncertainty in the White House, are going to be faced with the decision when dangerous circumstances confront us. Will we respond in fear or by faith? When our focus is framed by faith, faith says, to, says no to fear. Faith says no to fear. And that is what we're going to discover from the Word of God today. When we frame our focus by faith, it will say no to fear. Now, the account that is recorded in the book of Exodus is a very familiar passage. It is the story of the nation of Israel in the wilderness heading to the promised land, and they are confronted with an unimaginable challenge. Pharaoh's army is pursuing from behind, and directly in front of them is no way of escape because they are, they are in the very presence of the Red Sea. Now, what I don't want you to overlook about this very familiar and common story that we learned as children is that God's, if, if God's people had failed to say no by faith, they would have never made it in to the promised land. They would have never made it on the other side where praise broke out. Praise is always on the other side of faith when we say no to fear. Fear, however, when you succumb to it, when you submit to your fears, it will rob you of your promised lands. It will cause you to forfeit God's potential for your life. 
And so we see in Exodus chapter 14, verse 13, the key verse that I want to uh, direct your attention to right now, as you are facing the various circumstances like we all are, that fear must be said no to by faith. We read these words, and Moses said to the people, do not be afraid, stop being scared. Stand still, stand firm, and see the deliverance, the salvation of the Lord, which he will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians who you see today, you shall see, you shall see again no more forever. Now, when Moses said these words to the nation of Israel as they're being led out of Egypt to Canaan, the promised land, they were confronted with real life circumstances that determined whether they would live or die. So he says to them, be still. Stop being afraid. Because what you're seeing right now, that is a threat to you. What you're looking at right now, God is going to deal with it, and it will no longer be a threat. Even though Pharaoh had not come in pursuit of the nation of Israel to negotiate, and the Red Sea was not offering any luxury liner trips to cross, the children of Israel had to make a decision. So I want to share with you three things today about how your faith can say no when you would otherwise be gripped with fear. The first thing that you need to understand that the nation of Israel had to grasp was that faith says no to fear when you are in the right place. When you are in the right place, you can say no by faith to fear. Now, in Exodus chapter 13, verses 17 through 18, and chapter 14, verses 1 through 2, gives us the context about the place where the nation of Israel was. And I'm just going to read uh, verses uh, 17 and 18 in Exodus chapter 13. Then it came to pass when Pharaoh had let the people go, that God did not lead them by the way of the land of the Philistine. God did not lead them. Although that was near, it was closer to go by the way of the Philistines to get to Canaan. They could have actually got to Canaan in three weeks and been there. For God said, lest perhaps the people change their minds when they see war and return to Egypt. Now here's verse 18. So God led the people around by the way of the wilderness of the Sea of the Red, of, of the Red Sea. And the children of Israel went up in an orderly ranked out. And they went up in orderly ranks out of the land of Egypt. Now, again, it's very clear from this passage of scriptures that the reason why the nation of Israel ended up facing the Red Sea and Pharaoh pursuing from behind is that God had led them to that place to camp for the night. And I want you to understand that if God leads you somewhere, it's a good place. 
And you can say, even in the time of difficulty, fear, you've got to go. Now, a place doesn't have to be a physical location. You can be physically present in this church right now, but totally absent in your mind because you're somewhere else. You may be listening to me right now in a place at your home, but that doesn't mean that you're actually in that place because the Bible talks about he who has ears, let him hear what the Spirit has to say. Everybody in the crowd had ears, but it didn't mean that they were in the location, in the place where they were able to receive what Jesus was saying spiritually. Now, you can be physically present, as I've already said. Now, when, wherever you are mentally physically, emotionally, and spiritually, if you are where God has led you, remember, you can say no by faith to fear. Now, let me share some things that you need to know when God leads you to a place where you feel unsafe and unsure. Here are four things that you need to know about the times when you're feeling insecure and unsafe, but you're where God led you. The children of Israel were where God wanted them to be. Here's the first thing that you need to understand. God never leads us wherever he led us. He will never lead you where he led you. So if God led you there, he won't leave you for as long as he wants you wherever it is he led you. The Bible says that God is a present help in the time. He's a right now help. He's an immediate help in the time of your trouble. So when you as a righteous person cries out, he hears you. And the Bible says he delivers us out of all of our troubles. Why? Because he never leaves us or forsakes us. Where God leads you, he will never leave you. If he led you there. He will continue to be with you for as long as you're there. Here's the second thing. God knows how much you can handle at each point of your journey from earth to heaven. So I don't know how you're thinking and feeling right now, wherever you are in your station of life, and it just seems like every time you hear a, a news report or, or hear about a friend, somebody else has COVID-19, somebody else lost their job, somebody just died. I want you to understand that God knows how much you can handle wherever he has led you. He says there has no temptation that has taken you, but such that it's common to man. But I will never allow you to be tempted above that you're able to bear. But with every test, I will make a way for you to escape so that you can bear it. God knows how much you can handle. And so if you feel like you're overwhelmed at the breaking point about to give out, I want you to back off and say no to fear by faith because God puts you in that place. The question is, are you where God said you should be? If you're where God led you, he'll never leave you while you're there. Here's the third thing. God leads you to places that will cause you to grow. He leads you to places that will cause you to go. I love Psalm 23 where David said, The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. 
And listen to how God leads us to places where we as sheep can grow. He says he makes me to lie down in green pastures. He, he causes us to go to green pastures. I don't know how dark it may appear in your situation right now. I don't know how lonely you're feeling right now. But if God is your shepherd, you don't have to be in one because he is leading you to a place where there are green pastures, a place where you can rest. He leads me beside the still waters. Why? So he can restore my soul. He leads me in a path of righteousness. Why? Because of his name. God will lead us to places that will cause me to grow. He's restoring my soul. He causes me to rest in the midst of the turmoil and chaos. He's building me up for his righteousness sake. So wherever you feel that you are right now, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually, just understand that God is your shepherd, and he's going to use the circumstances that you're experiencing to cause you to become more like Jesus. Here's another thing that I like about the place where you are. You can say no. Faith can say no to fear when you're in the right place. Because God knows the enemy's plans, and he will protect you from every attack. Oh, God, he'll protect you from every account because he knows before the enemy acts what the enemy is going to do. And that's why God is our shield, and he's our buckler, and he's given us weapons of warfare that are not carnal, but they are mighty to the pulling down of the of stronghold. The question is, have you put on the whole armor of God? God knows the enemy's plans, and he will protect you from every attack. Now, notice I didn't say he would protect you from being attacked. The Bible says, no weapon formed against me shall prosper. The weapons will be formed, but they will not prosper. If God is for me, and I know it's the word, not if it's really in the Greek, since he is for me, who can effectively be against me? I am more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus. In verse 3, the Bible says uh, of chapter 14 of Exodus 4, Pharaoh will say, God speaking to Moses, shall say to the children of Israel or of the children of Israel, <coughs> they are bewildered by the land. The wilderness has closed them in. And then in verse 4, it says, God, after, after I've hardened his heart, Pharaoh shall pursue. So when P Pharaoh found out where the nation of Israel was camping, the location, he concluded they don't know what they're doing. God has led them into a place where they're trapped, where they're insecure and unprotected. And so he decided, God knowing his plans, that once his heart is hardened again, the enemy will attack. As long as we are in this flesh, the Bible says we walk not, we, we wrestle not against flesh and blood. The Bible tells us to walk in the spirit so that we will not fulfill the lust of the flesh because the flesh and the spirit are warring one with another. As long as we are on this side of heaven, you can, uh, you can always count on the enemy having a strategy to attack us. But the Bible says don't be deceived of the devil's, the devil's strategy. Somebody say amen. Now, now why, why being in the right place can feel so wrong? They were in the right place, but it didn't feel right. 
You ever decide you're going to obey God? And here you are. And things didn't get better. You got fired. <laughs> things didn't get better. Your marriage got worse. Things didn't get better. The kids got crazier. Things didn't get better when you gave it to God. It seemed like all oh, hell broke out. Why do things feel worse or wrong when you're in the right place? I'm glad you asked. Let me share some reasons why that's true as we're, as we're making our way in the wilderness and we're facing the Red Sea and Pharaoh's behind us. Here, here's one of the reasons why being in the right place can feel wrong. You can be in the right place for the wrong reason. Right place, wrong reason. When you get a chance, read 2 Samuel chapter 16, verses 9 through 14. David is fleeing for his life from his son Absalom, who has, who has taken and acted a coup d'etat, where he has forced his father, who is king, to flee to stay alive. And so as David is making his way, he is in a, the right place. He's in a safe place. He's in a place where his son can't harm him. But a man named Shimei decided to curse David and throw rocks. Oh, you man of bloodshed. He cussed him. He cursed him, called all kinds of names. And, and Abishai, one of David's mighty men, said, let, oh, let me cut his head off. Can I just slice his head off, king? Please let me kill him. And David said, it could be that God is using this curse as a way of humbling me, and if I respond right, he might restore me to my throne. I want you to know that David was in the right place. He was in a place of safety, but he was there for the wrong reason. He was fleeing for his life because David had committed sin. Sometimes God's head of protection will follow you as a Christian wherever you go, but wherever you are, if you're outside of the will of God, you may be safe because of God's protection, but you're in the wrong place. It's not going to feel right because you're in, the, you're in the right place for the wrong reason. The divine change. Jonah was in the right place in the belly of the great fish. But guess what? He was there for the wrong reason. He, God had to take him to Fish Belly University to get Jonah to repent. And some of you might be right there right now. You're in the right place. The judgment of God has not fully come upon you. You may think that God is winking at your sin. You may think that he doesn't see what you're doing and nothing bad has happened to you yet. No, you are in a safe place because the love and the grace of God, is, the mercies of God are new every day. But one day he'll pull back the sheets. One day he'll pull, open up the doors and turn the lights on. You can be in the right place for the wrong reason. You can also be in the right place and get treated wrong. <laughs> God led the people to a place he wanted them to be, but he didn't prevent Pharaoh from pursuing. Trouble doesn't mean that you aren't in the right place. James said, count it all joy when you experience diverse Various testings for the testing, the troubles that come to, to shake up your faith are there to teach you patience, endurance, teach you how to wait on God. He said, let Hupomeneo have this perfect work that you may be perfect and that God's trying to mature you. You can be in the right place and get treated bad 
You can be in the right place and question God's will. <clears throat> Listen at what the children of Israel said in Exodus chapter 14, verses 11 through 12. The scripture says, they said to Moses, why did you bring us up out here to die in the wilderness? Weren't, it, weren't there enough graves in Egypt? What have we done? What, why would you do this to our families, Moses? Why did you make us leave Egypt? You made us. You twisted our arm. You forced us. Didn't we tell you this would happen while we, we want to go back? It would have been better if we had served the Egyptians. Being unsaved is better than being saved. Why, God? Why my job? Why my family? Why this Thanksgiving? You can question God while you're in the right place. They were in the right place pointing the finger at Moses, who was the mouthpiece of God. <coughs> God doesn't care if we question him. But when he answers, <laughs> we need to be prepared to not only accept what his response is, but in accepting, we must be prepared to act in obedience. Somebody say amen. Here's the final thing. You can be in the right place even when it's your last place on earth. You can be in the right place in your hospital bed. With COVID-19 and the doctors can't do anything to make you better. You can be in the right place even though it's your last place on earth and still be able to say no to fear. Because the Bible says, yea, though I walk to the valley of the shadow of death, I'm in the place of death, but I will fear no evil. Why? Because the Lord, Jehovah, is with me. His rod and his staff is there to comfort me. And he's even anointing, oh, he's anointing my head with oil when I'm in the last place before I enter into eternal peace. You can be in the right place even when it's your last place on earth. What I'm saying is faith can say no to fear when you're in the right place. Let me just share when I agreed to go to Dallas Theological Seminary, a lot of people prayed with me about that thing. And God confirmed in many ways that it was absolutely clear that Dallas Seminary was the place I should go to be trained theologically. And I remember, I can't think of a time when I've studied more in a disciplined way and thoroughly, <laughs> we had three tests on one day, the first set of tests I took. I was so confident that I had done well because I studied hard. And I remember rushing to the student union building, and it was packed with other students uh, who were in my, in, 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 in taking the same courses I took. And everybody was opening up their mailboxes, and they were looking at their grades. And then I opened up mine. I had three Fs. Oh, God. Oh, God. You talking about humiliating. You talking about devastation. I tried to, I, I, I don't know how I responded, but I just know that I did not hide how crushed I was. I was convinced that I wasn't smart enough. I wasn't good enough. 
I must be in the wrong place. And so I began to leave the uh, student union building with my head down, heading back to the dorm, preparing to pack my bags and making my way back to Philadelphia. IA. I was going back. I was done with Dallas Seminary. I wasn't good enough. And I felt from nowhere someone put their hand on my shoulder. It was a white brother. I didn't know him from Adam. He put his hand on my shoulder, and I remember it as if it was yesterday. He said, God didn't bring you this far to leave you. Oh, my. I was, going, I was in the right place, but it was hard. And I assumed because it was difficult, because it was, give, it was challenging. Obviously, God doesn't want me struggling. God doesn't want me failing. So this, no, it was the right place. But before I could succeed and exceed, excel there, God had to humble me. God was humbling me. Faith can say no to fear when you're in the right place. Now, if you're in the wrong place, you, you, you're going to have a hard time dealing with your fear. And as I said, a place is not a physical location. It's just how you think. It's what you're saying. The Bible says, as you think, so are you. Life and death are in the power of your words. What are you saying to yourself? If you're saying what God hasn't said, you are in the wrong place. You need to change your location because faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. Somebody say amen. Here's the second thing. We're going to run on. Faith says no to fear because you know that God has a purpose. Whatever God allows in the place he has led, faith says there's a purpose. I may not understand it. I may not agree with it, but God never does anything without a purpose. The Bible says, speaking in verse 17 and 18 of Exodus chapter 14, and I will harden the heart of the, the Egyptians, and they will charge in after the Israelites. My great glory will be displayed through Pharaoh and his troops, his chariots and his charioteers. When my glory is displayed through them, all of Egypt will see my glory and know that I am the Lord. God has a purpose for what he allows to happen in our life. Now, how we respond to God's purpose reveals the spiritual condition of our heart. The Bible says that God would harden the heart of Pharaoh. But we know that his heart was already hardened because when he realized where the nation of Israel was, he, had, he made up his mind that, he, that God was confused. The people didn't know where they were. They'd never been any, any outside of the confounds of Egypt. And so he had concluded that they were perfect, perfect pickings. And so his heart was already hardened. And so the way you respond to the word of God is a clear litmus test of the spiritual condition of your heart. How do you respond when God reveals his will to you? So the Bible says... <clears throat> Pharaoh made up his mind that he was going to pursue the people. When God hardens your heart, he is cooperating with a pre-existing condition. You know how they're talking about pre-existing conditions. Pharaoh's heart was already hard. Pharaoh's heart was hard towards the purposes of God. God wasn't forcing him to do something 
that he hadn't already, didn't already have in his heart. With each act of disobedience to the will of God, our hearts become hard. Every time that you make a decision to disobey God, especially in an area where it's now a life-dominating sin. And so our hearts are already hardened. And so what happens when we continue to give ourselves over to a particular sin, which hardens our heart, the Bible says that God will turn us over to a reprobate mind, a seared conscience. And that's another way of saying that we have a heart that is incapable of repenting in a particular area of sin. Somebody say amen. So our hearts are like soft clay. The longer clay sits in the sun, the harder it becomes. The sun causes the clay to harden, but it wouldn't harden if we, if the, if, it wouldn't harden if we didn't leave the clay in the sun. So just think about the heart of, of, of what God said, I will harden a Pharaoh's heart. Pharaoh's heart was like clay. God is the son. And Pharaoh's preconditioned heart against the will and word of God was like him putting his heart in the sun. And the longer he left his heart in the sun of disobedience, the harder God, who is the son, made his heart. So when you expose yourself to disobedience, God will cooperate with your disobedience and make your heart harder the longer you are walking in disobedience. Did that make sense? Praise the Lord. Now, why did God allow Israel, and why is he allowing us to go through this pandemic? Why is he allowing us to be in this hard place where we are being attacked by physical and spiritual enemies? Here's what the Lord said. Here are four quick things. So that he will be honored. He said, when all of this is over, Pharaoh and the Egyptians are going to, they are going to bless my name. They're going to respect who I am. He says, so I will get glory after all this. You're going to, there's going to be a, an exaltation of who God is. He, he's, God does, allows these things because he wants glory. And he says, so that the Egyptians will know that there's only one true and living God. And then when you get to the end of the chapter of Exodus, chapter 14, verse 29, after the children of Israel on the other side of, 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 the, of the Red Sea, the Bible says they feared God. I want you to know that God wants us to come to a place of, of reverential awe that brings you and I to our knees in worship. One of the things that happens on the other side, not only do they fear God in reverential awe, awe they are worshiping God in praise. God wants some praise from his people. And so sometimes the purpose for bringing us to our Red Sea and causing us to be challenged by the pandemics of this world, the plagues of this world, is that God is bringing us to the place where we have to praise and worship him. Because we see from experience when we say no by faith to fear that God is not only able, but he will do it. Now, when I was a child, my mother taught me and uh, my sisters and brothers, don't play, don't play with God. Now, my mother was not a church-going woman. She would say that God will strike you dead if you use his name in vain. And she also meant that if he didn't do it, I'd get you first. <laughs> so whenever, it would, whenever there would be a thunderstorm, 
She said, God is talking, and he ain't happy. <laughs> and guess what? We believe that God was talking, and he wasn't happy. What, what, and what made us unhappy is that we had to turn all of the TV, all of the radio. We had to sit in total silence. We couldn't talk to each other. We couldn't turn our head. We had to be totally silent because God was upset. I want you to know that my mother's theology may not have been perfect, but she understood something about God deserves our honor. God deserves glory. God is the only true and living God. He is the one who put the roof over our head. He is the one who put food on our table. He is the one who watched over us as we slumbered and sleep. He is the one who deserves our worship and praise. Never play with God. God has a purpose for what we're going through right now. The, the earth and the heavens are declaring the glory of God. Why don't you join? That is the reason God created us, that we might worship him. We might worship him. Here's a third and final thing. Faith that says no to fear is activated when the enemy's pursuing <laughs> When the enemy is actually on our tail, faith that says no to fear goes into action. Oh, we okay in church. Hi, God is all, God is good in everything, and, and God is good, always good, however we say it. And we high-fiving each other, stomping the devil in the ground, and I'm putting the devil under my feet, and I already claimed it, and he's expanding my territory. And then as soon as the devil gets on our trail, we act like a bunch of unsaved heathens, no faith, operating in fear in the flesh. Faith is activated when the enemy is pursuing. That's why you can say no to fear. You want to know how your faith is growing? How do you respond when you are being attacked? When you are being, as that wife, your husband's not showing you with the attention you think you deserve. How do you respond to that? Husband, when your wife is not coming under your authority, how do you respond to that? When you are being pursued and you're feeling neglected and misunderstood and misused, how does faith respond? Here's how you can activate your faith to say no to fear. The first thing they did that was right, they cried out to God for help. Ha! I want you to know when you sure enough understand you're in trouble. When you know things aren't going right, when we come to the recognition that if God doesn't do it, if God doesn't step into this American and, and, and international situation, it just will never be right. They cried out to God, we about to die out here, Lord. I want you to know when I thought I had COVID-19 the first time, oh, I, I want to speak, let me just be honest with you. I was scared. I couldn't breathe right. I had a fever of 104. I was on my back for three days, and I prayed, Lord, don't let me leave this world like this, please. I got tested, and I was negative. <laughs> Hallelujah. I cried out to God. You must claim the promises of God. Moses said, shut up. Stop crying. And he says, stand firm, 
so that you can see the salvation of the Lord. The Lord's about to deliver you. And so now that I've cried out, now I, I need to do a second thing. I need to claim the promises of God about the situation I'm in. What's your situation? What promises have God made about your finances, about your marriage, about your children, about your job? About what, what promises has he made about your, your body? Claim those promises. God gave a promise. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to deal with these Egyptians. You'll never see them again. Here's another thing. Third thing and final thing. You must count on God to fight for you. Verse 15 said, the Lord will fight for you, and you shall hold. You're not going to have to lift a finger. You ain't going to have to cuss nobody out. You ain't going to have to fight no more. You ain't going to have to yell at your children no more. You're not going to have to try to vague your husband no more. You know, God will fight for you, and you will be able to hold your peace. Now, here's the problem. God's way of fighting is unorthodox. I, what I'm simply saying, it, it, most of the time, it don't make no sense. Listen to how God said he's going to fight for them. People are, are, are scared. Uh, 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 Pharaoh, his army's getting in chariots, they're getting closer and closer. Death is, is, is upon them. And so the Lord said, Moses, lift up your staff over the Red Sea. And as he's lifting up, he said, now, tell the people, now this is where it gets crazy, tell the people to move forward. The sea hadn't parted. Uh, the, the only thing they could do is walk into the sea. And the guy said, now, move forward. Now, if they had moved forward, oh, God. This is where faith comes into action. If God said, get to stepping, you better get to stepping. I don't see the Red Sea parting. But as they got to moving, God said, now tell the Red Sea to part. Oh, God. But if the, the, the God's order was lift up the rod, tell the people to move forward, and then tell the Red Sea to part. And as they were stepping out, framing their focus by faith, the sea began to part. But the angels, the Bible says, that Pharaoh's army kept pursuing. But the angel of the Lord stepped in. He stepped in, and the pillar of cloud that had been leading the nation of Israel to the right place, it was a pillar of fire by night and a, a, a dark covering during the day to protect the Israelites from the heat. The Bible says he repositioned the cloud. He, he made the cloud go behind the people, and the, the pillar of fire blinded the Israel, the Egyptians, so they couldn't continue to go forward, and it confused them. But the same light that confounded the Egyptians gave illumination so that the nation of Israel could see their way through the darkness in the middle of the Red Sea. How about God? The same fire that burns will heat you. Ha! Hallelujah! God's ways of delivering are unorthodox. We don't fully understand it. But he said, I'll deliver you if you would simply stand still. God said, I'll deliver you what's in your hand, Moses. It may not be much. What you got in your refrigerator, what you got in your bank account, what you got in your house, it may not be much. The car may not be what you want it to be, but if you would simply allow God to take what he's left you with and you lift it up before him, God will take ordinary things and do extraordinary. Oh, somebody know what I'm talking about. He'll fight for you, and when the battle's over, you'll find yourself on the other side, and you'll know that only God, 
You don't have to wonder how you got over. <laughs> you don't have to guess about it. You know how you got over. It was the Lord on your side. Faith says no to fear. When I arrived home, I was met at the door by one of my children. They said, my oldest son had been hit by a car. So I rushed into the home, and he looked fine. And I was gracious about that, but his greatest fear was his bike had been destroyed. When the person driving the car was about to hit him, he dove off the bike and left, and the bike got destroyed. He was more afraid of what I was going to do to him about his bike than it was about, so he dove and was, was safe. Now, here's where the story gets crazy. The woman who hit my son on his bike drove over the back tire and, and busted her tire. And when she realized that her tire had been destroyed, by the time I get home, she brings a mob of her family and neighbors to my house. And I come outside thinking I'm going to have a, a, a civil conversation. That woman called me everything but a child of God. She put her hand finger on my chest, and she demanded that I repair her tire. And when I didn't, didn't say anything or agreed to repair her tire, she said, you better not go to sleep. Somebody might just firebomb your house. You better not go to sleep. And I, I mean, she literally called me everything with her sons and crowds standing around me and everybody listening. That's the preacher, ain't it? Ain't that the one who went to seminary? Ain't that the one who got these? And so when she left, I sent the children in the home. And I walked around the corner and went to a private place, and I just began to cry out to the Lord. And I was angry. I couldn't understand. Why did you allow this woman to talk to me that way? I don't even feel like I, my children can be protected. She said she's going to throw a fire, they're going to firebomb my house. God, talk to me. Tell me what to do. God didn't say a word. <laughs> oh, God, I left that schoolyard just as frustrated and terrified that my house would be firebombed. That night I slept next to the window, not with my Bible, but with a baseball bat. And I tried to stay awake all night, and, and, and I find myself dozing. And then as I finally fall asleep, I'm at the window waiting for any moment that a, somebody's going to throw a Molotov cocktail through my window. I'm sitting, I'm sleeping, and I start to dream. And in the dream, the Lord began to talk to me. <laughs> He said, it would be better for that woman to be at the bottom of a lake with a millstone wrapped around her neck drowning than for her to hurt the least of mine, the least of mine. And so when I heard that, I, I, and I knew it was the voice of the Lord, I knew it was him. I began to pray for the woman, Lord, don't destroy her. Lord, please protect her. Lord, please forgive her. Don't, don't bring a curse on her family. After I prayed, I got up out of that chair, put that baseball bat down, and went to sleep and slept like a baby. I want you to know that faith will say no to fear. I don't know what you're going through right now, but if you lean on the promises of God in his word, everyone is true. God will not allow you to be destroyed. You are in the place where he has led you, and he will keep you because he neither slumbereth nor sleeps. 
Will you trust him? Stop looking at the Egyptians and turn your attention to the Lord. Look at the staff of God. Hasn't he parted some red sea for you? Hasn't he taken you to the other side? Didn't you think you were going down for the last time? But every time, hasn't he come through? Hasn't the Lord been faithful? His promises are yes and amen. Faith says to fear, no. No. Father, in the name of Jesus, we come to you as humbly as we know how. Father, we're in a place right now that we just need to stand still so that we can see the salvation of the Lord. And what is confronting us right now, if we simply allow you to fight our battles, we will get victory and they will, these same things will never impact us the way that we are allowing them to impact us now. We ask this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Frame your focus.